Come on, everybody, it's time to listen in to an actor and a teacher who love their wrestling. No more division, forget those prejudices. The Wrestling Connection is here with Glenn and Chris. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Connection podcast. We are back together for episode 65. My name is Glenn. It is good to be back. And appropriate, as it seems to say, I am joined, as I am every week, with my tag team partner, my compadre, an actor, and a friend, Chris CM42 TV Moffat. <laughs> we sit down every week and discuss the many ways that wrestling can connect us in an era of division and sadness, and this week is no exception. Like I say, ladles and jelly spoons, I am Glenn. I'm a teacher. I am joined by my friend and actor, Chris Moffat. Chris, it's a good it's good to be back. I'm Tagging you in back. now. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's glad to have you back. Lovely to hear your voice as always. Um you I love how you introduced me, like you know the way it was like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> now I'm Chris CM42 TV Moffat. Oh, you need to have some sort of handle and I'll put your middle name in a, into every intro. I don't know. Well, most most of the people that I speak to Monday to Friday call me Mister Fraser, so maybe I should be Glenn Mister Fraser. I don't know, like, like Mister Kennedy. No, what we do need to be Mister Glenn Fraser, because because sometimes they'd call him Ken Kennedy, and I would always be like, that's not his real name. <laughs> How are you? Uh, ah, yeah, I'm. I am getting there, Chris. I'm getting there. Oh, hold on, my dad's phoning me. All right, do I take the call? Do I take the call? Take the call. Who cares? Take the call. Okay, hold on. Hello. I was just asking you how you are. You were, you were catching up. I, I yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. Shall I just go right into it? And yeah, kinda, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable let's, with. Let's do this. Right. So, dear listeners, you retreated last week, episode sixty four, to a compilation episode that Chris kindly put out. I listened to the whole thing, egotistical as that might sound, because it means you know a lot of it was my own voice. Yeah, well, but I listened to it as well. I had to listen to I, it. I loved it and I really enjoyed it. I'd forgotten that we'd started with Paul London and that, that yeah. Paul London story. I'm sure we'll be mentioning Mr. London uh, later on in this episode at some point. Uh, but I you know, I obviously hadn't forgotten the experience of uh, hugging Paul London in the middle of the <laughs> ABC in Glasgow. Um, but I still I'd forgotten, forgotten about telling it and uh, I had a big smile on my face because not only did it take me back to that moment in time where, I'm, where I met him and gave him a cuddle, uh, but also... Um, it took me back to telling the story on the podcast, sitting in my old flat and uh, in the in early pandemic days, or well, I guess I don't know how old far ahead we were, but I was definitely in my old yeah. property at that point. Uh, and uh, kind of there was there was a there was a warmness and a fuzziness to even that level of nostalgia. So, um, and when you get these moments of nostalgia and flashback, it kind of then allows you. And I always do this, and I've talked about this a lot in this podcast. Allows you to kind of check in on your own personal growth. Um, it's like that way if you see an episode of Monday Night Raw from 1997 when you've been watching episodes of Raw from 2000, you might you might off the top of your head think 97 to 2000, not that much of a difference, it's all Attitude Era, right? But then when you look at the product, you'll see actually, oh my god, what a check, how much have we grown in those three years? Totally. And it's the same thing, but as a person, we go through that same thing. You don't notice your own growth until you get a checkpoint. And uh, even just listening back to those um, clips did that for me. And I think that meant something because it's been a really tough couple of weeks for me. Um, the last time I sat with you, Chris, and we spoke was in episode 63. 
and right. we were both feeling pretty rubbish because you had to cancel loads of your plans for self-isolation it's great of course that you tested negative and you're yep. you're now out of isolation which is fantastic um uh but that that the day that we recorded that which was the friday um, we had some bad news about our wee dog Luna. So Luna's our miniature schnauzer. And we, long, long story short, like she broke her leg last February in 2020, recovered really well. But then around November the 2020 onwards, she started to slow up and started to get quite lame off and on. Uh, and we'd go through bouts of really struggling to walk. We didn't, and we went through about a thousand potential diagnoses or diagnoses. I don't know the plural, but diagnoses sounds yeah, like tricky uh, like an NXT mid carder. <laughs> um, this is diagnoses. Um, a good name for a tag team. Actually, yeah, and again, appropriate. Um, so um, Luna was um, off and on struggling, but she was still, you know, on the whole, enjoying life, wagging her tail. And the only time she wasn't happy was when Chris came to my house. <laughs> I um, don't know why. I was nothing but Cotheus. She was just, she, I think she just didn't like how tall you were. She's, yeah, she's a very a protective wee thing. And that's quite a common thing for dogs, I think, is the tallness. Yeah. Oh, so I was um, a stranger. You were a stranger, to be fair. You've only met her the twice. Yeah. Um, And so um, we went through all kinds of things. She'd been for MRIs, CAT scans. They ruled out everything. It could have been all the normal stuff like arthritis, all these things which are not that serious actually and quite treatable. And uh, after a, a, a big, big CAT scan, after some of her blood was sent to Birmingham and some of her blood was sent to, wait for it, Michigan. All oh, I could right. think about was WrestleMania 3 and 23 and the fact that Rhino was from Michigan and RVD. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, oh my god, Luna's blood has been maybe in Battle Creek or Detroit. Right. <laughs> um uh and so uh all the tests came back and all these experts, including Noel Fitzpatrick's mentor, Noel Fitzpatrick is known as the famous York uh, Supervet on TV. Okay, His mentor yeah. was involved in this as well because Luna had an extremely rare um bone disease, which is basically bitter, brittle bones which is why her leg originally broke with such ease. And we found out that the reason that she wasn't moving well is because she was constantly getting little fractures in her spine and her rib cage. Um, and that's, that was to do with the intermittent lameness. Cause she, and the thing is, Luna was not a very, she was a very resilient dog. She never complained. You know, when she broke her leg, she screamed. But everything else, she just kind of dealt with it. And so yeah. she would never let on that she was in pain. But even when she met you that day, she was in pain. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't know it. Um, because you can't have tiny fractures all over yourself. Unless you're Kane in 1997, you're going to feel that pain. You know? Right. And uh, she... she um, so that was on the Friday. And we did the episode that Friday. And it was nice just to kind of sit down. Because I, I was upset. Because it became obvious to us at that point that she might probably wouldn't live a very long life. But she was going to go through a new program, a rare treatment, an expensive treatment, albeit, of yeah. a monthly infusion to stop the bones getting any worse. She was never going to get better. She was never going to be a dog that runs about. Yeah. But she would hopefully get an extra couple of years, at least. And that we had to kind of sit with that reality that her two-year-old dog wasn't going to live a long life. Right. Um, and so doing the pod on that Friday was, 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 was great. Um, and then I think it was... Um, I, I'm getting my days mixed up, but I think it was on the 
it's yeah, it was then that night, the Friday night, that um we were out on a walk with her and she took one wrong step and just fell to the ground and started screaming. And I'm not I'm not even talking about running or jumping or anything. She was just walking. But because her bo- her bones weren't just weak, they were so fragile. Yeah. That so much more fragile than we'd even thought that one step and her, her entire foot just shattered and she God. broke every bone in her back right foot. Oh my god. So, so she had another break and she screamed. Uh and we rushed her. This was like at ten PM at night. So we rushed her to the Vera's animal hospital. And even at that point we we the kind of reality of the situation started to dawn upon us because even a severe break like that with any other dog, it would never be a death sentence because they would they would heal. Mm-hmm. And um you know, worst case scenario they amputate, but then pretty much any dog can get on fine on three legs but not luna because her if you cut off one of her legs then it's more pressure on all the other legs mm-hmm. so she spends a night in hospital and we're, we're pretty much we had a conversation with the vet on the saturday saying that you know it's it's not a case of if she has another break it's when she has another break right her bones are so fragile that there's nothing to say that it wouldn't be her spine or her neck next because oh, if she's my. taking one step and her bones are shattering. That's how bad it's got. So, whereas we could have gone for the option of of keeping her around and going ahead with the infusions and amputating the foot, she was already struggling so much. She was already in so much pain that it just didn't seem fair. And so we had to sort of make the call. So on on Sunday, we picked her up from the hospital, went to the park across from the road in the hospital, gave her crisps and strawberries and patted her. She was pretty doped up on... Mm-hmm. heavy painkillers but she was still happy to see us and then we took her into the vet and uh, we were with her when they put her to sleep and here's the thing like I, I've had like loads of pals who've like lost pets mm-hmm. and you always think if you hear like oh John's cat died you know you think oh that's sad but it right. doesn't really stick with you right uh, but if anyone says oh well it's just losing a pet get over it get a grip like those are people who clearly have never had a meaningful relationship in their adult life with an animal right uh, as of yet we don't have any children so she's our baby yeah um we'd already been through so much with her in the two years that we had her uh so we've we've just been totally destroyed by it and i'm having a good day today which is yeah. why i'm kind of up for talking about it and it's it's cathartic and it's therapeutic absolutely but just take a sip of tea hold on no, but you're right but in terms like, of like talking about it. You know what I mean? Like after you've kind of, it's it's been what over a week now as well. You know, yeah, you probably it's been yeah. on your mind nonstop, probably. You know, so yeah. After a while, when you think about something like that for so long, you kind of have all these thoughts built up in your mind. And yeah, it's just it's, like it's just nice to get it out. You know what I mean? It's important, even even though, like grieving like this over an animal is not unusual. There's nothing alarming about my reaction. It's natural. Right. Uh, I'm still doing everything I can to make myself feel better. I'm doing my yoga every morning. I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've got a, an appointment with my doctor tomorrow because I just want to, like when I, when I go through stress, I, my, for me, my big sign is that I break out, my skin breaks out. So like during the term time when COVID was really difficult, I got a really bad flare up of eczema all over my body mm-hmm. and I, and then it kind of died off uh, near summer and it's all come back like with a vengeance right uh with an nxt vengeance day so i am uh so like i'm I'm going back to the doctors for that but 
uh, so there's been a lot of tears because I'm a very emotional person. Like, I, I didn't take a lot for me to cry. Like, you know, like that, like, again, uh, COVID video from AEW was a <laughs> right. one for me, you know. Um, so, um, but so we then we after that we took the decision to go and spend some time at Kate's parents because they've got this big house in the country. We just wanted to get away from it all. They have a lovely dog up there, so the canine company was nice as well. Um, um, so you know, by this point, we, we we then went to Kate's parents on I think the Wednesday, so like there was like two or three days removed from losing Luna, Luna, and uh, the night before the Tuesday night. I like I thought I was cried out and I'd had a good couple few few days or a good day at least and then the Tuesday night I just I've never cried like this in my life and I'm not talking about crying in that dignified way you see in the movies where somebody dies I'm mm. talking about ugly crying I'm talking like making noises that I didn't think I was capable of it's sort of like like Dory and Finding Nemo doing the whale call <laughs> right. like that honestly is uh, like a, a new level of right. crying that I'd never had before and it was just like the little things that are kind of triggering so after that i thought right that's me i'm cried out like and because i was going just through the wave of feeling numb mm. or crying numb cry numb cry uh and so we get to kate's parents we've had a great couple of days and then two days ago it was it was like in the morning and uh you know the, the change of scenery was helpful the, yeah. the the company was great and we were like um just having a lazy morning i started running a bath and i had like my earphones in just had um spotify on shuffle and um like again i'm convinced that i'm cried out at this point and i've just stopped running the bath music stops and a new song starts and it's this song jeez i'm gonna have to pause that now because i can't <laughs> uh <laughs> so like as a uh. wrestling fan and if you're a wrestling fan of a certain age You'll know the Creed song "My Sacrifice" really well, um, and it's got quite an emotional song for us as fans. Yeah, absolutely. And then as Scottish fans, it took on another level of significance because ah, yeah. when Adrian Lionheart McCallum passed away, someone who we were all big fans of, we went to his memorial show. They used that song for his video. Oh man, I, Chris, I just collapsed. I was just on the floor in the bathroom with this song on. Um. Because that for me was like Luna all over. It was like, mm. you know, she didn't, she had all this pain, but when she was with us, she was careless, she was free, uh, and it didn't, the pain didn't matter. And that's the only comfort I really take is that it could have been so much worse. Her bones right. were that bad. It could have been that we wouldn't have the decision to put her to sleep mercifully. She could have died in agony. Yeah. Um, but she died pain free because of the drugs with us. And, it did mean though that I just wanted to take some time, which is why we didn't do an episode last week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know this is not very interesting for wrestling fans, but we talk in a very open and honest and personal way on this show. Yeah, like this right, is this what is, we do. This is the show, yeah, this is what this is what it's and all about. Yeah, I, I, I kid you not, Chris. Like after that cry, like I've still cried since, <laughs> but it was so healing. I even like I love making things. It's a really being creative helps me so much with any kind of stress or grief and so i even made my own flipping luna video with that song oh nice um just for me really no, yeah. no one else just you know um and um all i can tell you is that after all that was done and when we got home last night and i went to wash the dishes 
I put on Dynamite. I watched Sammy Guevara versus one of the best heels of all time, MGF, in an excellent max yeah. match. And I just had so much hatred for MGF because he's such a good bad guy. What a piece of that, the, Do you know what I mean? What a, I know. What a, oh. like the, 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 how cathartic it was when he was begging not to be hit with that big flippity floppity move that Sammy Guevara does. Yeah. And uh, uh, man, that really helped. Just like wrestling really helped. And I have this cute video of Luna watching an episode of SmackDown from 2000 with me, like Harker Holly stomping Bubbery Dudley in the corner. And Luna, the puppy, just looks at me and used to go, Why is this happening? <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, that's, I mean, it's just you're talking about like that's not being interesting for the listeners. It does not matter. This is what the wrestling connection is all about. And the fact you're able to get wrestling references still into this is very impressive. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, yeah. But listen, have you ever, ever had like a, a pet before, or like when you were younger or whatever? Yeah, I had I had cats when I was very little, but I was not really attached to them. They died. Right. I was too young when they died for me to really yeah. understand it. Um, so whereas Luna like... was the first animal that I've had that I've actually had a relationship with. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so that that will explain like the, the 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 crying in different ways that you didn't even know yeah. you could do because she's never experienced she was, it before, you know. Exactly, and there's an added layer of tragedy because she was only two. You know, right. you right. if if it happened when she was fifteen, you'd think fair play, you know, yeah. and it would still be really difficult, but you just felt that she had so much more to give and so much yeah. more life in her. As you say, and I think you even said that like it was making you feel a little bit better, the fact that it was kind of pain-free and mm-hmm. um, now she's like no longer in pain anymore, doesn't need to suffer. You guys yeah. have gone through the ring of the past year, you know, emotionally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, so one of these things, as you say, she was such a good dog. She, although she obviously like shouted at me as soon as I arrived, but she came around. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I was skeptical of you the first time I met you. Too, so. <laughs> it's true, that's true. You were screaming at me in that brayhead uh, <laughs> mall landing, but almost <laughs> in the exact <laughs> same way. I literally walked up to Chris at Brayhead. Daniel Bryan and Kane were a few feet away from us, and I just shouted at Chris, "I don't know you, and you're tall." <laughs> And I think you're the same age as me. And I was actually like 14. <laughs> so really what you had there was a 21-year-old man shouting at a 14-year-old boy in a public place. Yes, and that's why the police were phoned. Anyway, right, okay. Um, listen, you can talk about this like as much as you want in future episodes or in, or as little as you want. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, thank you. Don't, don't worry about it's not going to be interesting or whatever. Like, that's not the point of the show, you know? Um, totally. This is totally. our show. Absolutely. Let let me ask you this before we get into our main topic. What's it like being able, being out of isolation and being allowed to do what you want? It's it's lovely. Um, So my isolation ended last Friday, um, July 2nd it was. We're we're recording this a little bit in advance, everyone. Um, But July 2nd was my first day out and I had like lunch planned and my sister and my mum were going for lunch and we're going to meet after my lunch and we're going to go shopping and come home and stuff like that. But you know the way, like I hadn't seen anybody in 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then I saw everybody. Um, it was a bit much. It felt a bit much. It was a bit too busy for my liking. It was a really warm day. Um, so it was all kind of like sticky and humid and stuff. Um, so it was it was a bit much. I was looking forward to kind of like breaking myself in gently a little bit, but I just didn't, I didn't anticipate that I would feel a little bit stressed um, mm-hmm. just being in town and being around so many people. But it, I guess it was nice to get out and stuff. And again, it was such a such a warm day, so it kind of makes it feel a bit more like summer and stuff. Yeah. My mum and my sister went shopping for a bit, and uh, my sister bought a friend's cup, um, a candle, 
and some moisturizer, right? So three items that, you know, could be used by people, but nothing like that's going to change your life, you know? It's like the so, modern day gifts you'd give to the baby Jesus. Exactly. So they went to the counting house and sat and had some drinks and stuff, but they were sitting at a table that the sun was in their eyes, so they moved tables. And then they left and they came and met me afterwards. And they realized that they'd left their bag and Witherspoons of the stuff they just bought, the gold mine of oh. shopping. As I say, the friends cup, the moisturizer and the candles. So they ran back and it had been nicked. Someone <gasps> nicked it. Can you believe? I mean, I see if you saw someone like someone's left a phone or a purse, you hand it or, in. Or, or, or or shoes or something. Well, I'm saying people, I mean, people like us, good-hearted people would hand it in. But I mean, fair play if you find someone's phone and you're like that and you're a crook and you're into stealing stuff and you're a thief. Steal a phone or money or something. But it was moisturizer and a candle, you know. So it's just that, that was strange. Why why did that get stolen? So that was that. Um, I was down at A1 Comics at the Tron Gate in Glasgow. I hadn't been down there in a long time. Mm. used to go down there every once, once famously frequented by Eugenia and Chris Masters was it really? I didn't I didn't know that they, they went and did a signing there in like 2012 or something oh wow like like when, when the, long after they were both released you know really? wow yeah it's, it's nice that like speaking of tag teams they were a good tag team in 2006 and then <laughs> in 2012 they were still doing signings <laughs> together got a hustle brother um, so we were down there at the Tron Gate and, and um, I took my girlfriend into one comics and I was like let's look at the wrestlers and I was telling her the yeah. story about this is the wrestling shop. This used to be here, Scotsman's Models. And I used to come down here and get my wrestling figures. And I had loads. And as I was telling her about my wrestling figure collection, we encountered a, a man who was running and was wearing a three-piece suit, but was running. Right. And I could hear the person, like, kind of panting. He was like, <gasps> like, he was, like, he'd been running for ages, you know. And again, it was a really warm day. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. But it's not, it's not the nicest bit of town, Glasgow. No, so I was no. like, here we go. The guy turns around and goes to speak to us. So I, I just, I don't like, I mean, I'm not good with like awkward kind of small talk anyway. I like, if, I, if I've got you in like my inner circle, wink, wink, um, I can <laughs> I can chat to you all day, but I'm not really good with like, I kind of know you or you're a stranger or whatever. Yeah. So I just kind of like took my girlfriend's hand and kind of started walk, like walking quickly away, you know. And the guy's like, excuse me, excuse me. And I just said something like, oh, sorry, mate, we're late for something, just to get away. And yeah. I've got big legs, so I was like power walking away. And Iona's got small legs, so she was like, slow down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the guy's like, no, no, I need you to tell me where I am. Right. And I was like, um, where do, I mean, what do you mean? Like, I, I didn't want to like insult this man's intelligence and go Glasgow, you know? Surely he knows he's in Glasgow. So I just looked up at the road sign. It was like King Road. I said, "This is King Road." I said, "Like this Enoch Centre. It's just round the corner." And he was like, sweating again, full suit, still panting. No, oh, to Shane McMahon. Maybe Shane McMahon, but this one, this guy was not as wealthy. Looked like a Shane McMahon, or in good shape, um, or has nice silver hair. No, it's the Shane is quite a silver fox these days. He's, he really is, but he's a yeah. very sweaty man. He is a sweaty man. So is Brock Lesnar. This guy was yeah. neither. <laughs> So the guy's just like, no, no, but where? And I was like, um, this is like, like a city centre, it's like the Tron Gate kind of area. If you walk around there, that's our Gale Street. No, but where? And I was like, um, like Glasgow, we're in, we're in town, Glasgow town, city centre. No, what country? He asked me what country he was in. Wow. And at that point, I was just like, I've, I've lost all hope. I said, what country? Scotland, mate. And he went, oh, all right, cheers. And then <laughs> continued yeah, running, needed in, to know. running in the other direction in his suit. 
and I was just like, how does that happen? And obviously, if it's like maybe I, someone that's maybe out their face a little bit, then fine. But the guy yeah. was like running for an appointment, dressed very well, um, and didn't know what country he was in. Oh, God, he probably had taken something. But do you know what, man? He, I was hoping you were going to say, no, mate, but what year? And then you go 2021, <laughs> he was like, oh, da, da, da. he's probably from 2050, right? And he's like, oh, no, I've gone back in time. It worked. The DeLorean worked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my girlfriend was like, maybe he had a job interview in London and he got off at the wrong the wrong stop in the train. Oh my! I'd love that. Imagine he got on the wrong train, fell asleep all the way to Glasgow Central, ran about the city for ages, going, "This isn't London. Well, I'm looking for London." <laughs> so that was this additional moment of the week. Oh god, that was howling. I mean, also, see if you get off at this Glasgow Central and you start running around wondering where you are. Who runs to Trongate? I mean. <laughs> Unless he's trying to get the new Orange Cassidy figure, which is in hot pursuit, so I don't know. It was uh, it was very fun. It was a funny, funny situation. I hope he, I hope he's all right. Um, is I he still, still running wrote... today? That's what I want to know. Do you remember, in like two thousand and fourteen, mm-hmm. when Big E was on like his first kind of solo run before the New Day? Yeah, 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 yeah. All of his offense would involve him running in some way. Maybe Vince thought it was against the laws of the universe for the man to stand still. Do you remember when he accidentally smacked AJ right in the chest? AJ, AJ, AJ Lee. AJ, AJ Lee. <laughs> yeah. It's like, boom, whacked her. And it's like, right in the rib cages. And he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's a, you can see Dolph Ziggler and her trying not to laugh. Aye. It's like, like the in so much pain. <laughs> like, like, if he'd done that to me, my rib, ribs would have broken. I know, I know. I love his new theme song. Yeah, I want to yeah. go big. Dead say that. <laughs> right, um, in the post this week as well, um, I got a new book in the post this week, and I don't know if you've heard of this, it's a brand new book from one Chris Jericho. It oh, I've heard of it. the complete list of Jericho. He may have mentioned it one or, once or twice on Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years of smashes, matches and hits. Now, I can't stress to you how much I have wanted this book for the last decade, Okay. So I watched the interview with Chris Jericho, which I believe was with Peter Rosenberg, which funny enough he works with WWE now, um, in 2010. And there was a question that Rosenberg asked him and Jericho was like gave him a really sort of detailed answer and was like, how do you know that? And Jericho was like, oh no, I, I keep track of all of my matches. And yeah. I've done that since day one and I've got the dates and the match style ratings and how many people were in attendance and what the finish was and what the city it was in and how much he got paid. And I was like, no way, like... No way that's a thing. And then he posted a picture of like that original piece of paper that's actually on the front cover of this book, or the inside front cover of this book. So basically, if you don't know, I'm sure you have, if, if you're a wrestling fan and you've been around Chris Jericho the last two months. But um, it's, a, it's a book of all 2,722 matches of Chris Jericho's career from October 2nd, 1990, until October 9th, 2020. Nice. Um, I like that how he's kind of decided to release it the thirty years because obviously he will have more matches and has right. had since. But I like that you know the first thirty years of his career. It's just every single match with the number beside it, the date, the opponent, the finish, the city, the match star rating, the amount of people in the crowd, plus top ten lists, people talking about Jericho, unreleased pictures, information on the matches. Like, this is when he said that he'd done this in 2010 in this interview. I mean, I thought this was such a cool idea that, again, this is when I was doing my YouTube show where I had my own backyard wrestling company and was having matches and stuff. 
So I took a notepad and I started writing down every single match I had against my, my four friends that was on the roster, gave them star ratings, um, what the finish was. I did that like when I was whatever age I was, 14, 15, before I met you. Yeah. Um, and I just I was like, one day he has to release all this. But I never thought he would. Yeah. <clears throat> and now he's done it and I'm holding the book in my hands right now. It is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And did you um, just go straight to the matches he had in Glasgow? Uh, not immediately, but I did, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was there, I was there. So well, what I want you to do now is pick a number between 2000, no, 1 and 2722. Pick any number. 1095. 1095. All right. 1095 was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was on April the 10th, 2000. And he lost to Eddie Guerrero oh, in front of 12,000 people, and it was a two and a half star match. I'm actually, that's actually like the match I most recently watched in my 2000 watch through. That was weird you picked that one. Let's pick okay. uh, 2011. Yeah. Wait, what year did we meet? 2012. 2012. Uh, hang on a second, are we right with you? Talk amongst yourselves. That's all right. Uh, 2012 match is against a win against William Regal in a gauntlet match on October 20th, 2008 in Corpus Christi, Texas and he won with a codebreaker and it was a two-star match. That's not far from when I saw him in November 14th, 2008, I believe it was Jericho and ba- yep, Randy Orton versus Batista Rey Mysterio. Tag with Randy Orton versus Batista and Rey Mysterio Jr. Glasgow, Scotland, November 14th, 2008 Two. Three and a half stars. Hmm. Can't believe that's considered better than a match he had with Eddie Guerrero. Was it two, three and a half stars? Do you think? I wasn't really paying attention to the match as much as it was the spectacle of seeing them do their thing. You don't. Yeah. This is the thing when you watch live wrestling. It's more unless it's a long match, and they aren't usually particularly. There's usually maybe one or two long matches. You're more invested in like the the, the spectacle, the starstruckness of it. All. Yes, agreed. Um. Which we are going to be experiencing very soon. Oh, yes. Yeah, September 22nd, I believe it is. How exciting is that, man? I'm so buzzing. Buzzing. Buzzing like a bee. Buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. So there you go. So there's uh, my new Jericho book. And it wasn't cheap, but it's totally worth it because I've wanted it for over a decade. Nice. Well, I'm chuffed. I'm going to have to get one of them. Yes. Maybe maybe for Christmas. Right. Um, Let's chat about our main topic of the day. Uh, it is relevant because WWE had just posted a big countdown series on the network. What, what promotion posted it? Sorry, WWE. WWE. Okay. WWE. And uh, it was the fifty greatest tag teams of all time, and I have their list in front of me. So what I thought I'd do is read through the top fifty. We can chat about the teams that are on the list, whether we agree with the placements, and then we can give our top five favorite tag teams of all time. How does that sound? Nice. I don't have a top five as such. I just have a list. That's it's not fine. really in any order. That's fine by me. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a recurring theme because we always introduce ourselves as each other's tag team partners. Uh-huh. And you always give me some sort of obscure reference like the Spike Dudley to my Taz or my Test to my <laughs> Albert. Um, oh, I before, before I go into this, have you got any other ones at the top of your head that are like random odd couples in terms of WWE tag oh, teams? I've got so many. Quite a few in here. Uh, I loved... Um, Hurricane and Kane. Yes, I like that. Um, <laughs> I also like Kane and RVD. Same year. 
Speaking of RVD, I loved RVD and Booker T in 2004. I like the theme song. And you dig it. One of a kind! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, like, it's there are some weird ones on here. um, And some not-so-weird ones, but maybe just less popular ones as well. Yeah. Um, So, it'd be interesting to see how this compares to the WWE list. And you wonder how objective the WWE list would have been. Because Mm -hmm. they are sometimes a bit funky about um, including certain wrestlers who have become a little bit all in. Yes, yes, um, and they, they might be hesitant to add one of the obscure ones that we know and love very well. Mm-hmm. You know, totally, totally. Um, but also, I do believe this is just WWE because they did post the thing on Instagram. Like, here are some non WWE great tag teams, and it was like Sabu and RVD and people from like the NWA and stuff. But all all fifty on li- this list is like WWE tag teams. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one on the list, number 50, is the Bushwhackers. Um, and they're number 50, and number 49 is Too Cool, which I'm buzzing for Whoa. because I would totally agree that Too Cool were far better than the Bushwhackers. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at the rest of the teams here in the first 10, and Too Cool are so much better than all of them. I know, I've got Too Cool were one of the first teams I wrote down. I mean, I've, I've my love of Scotty Tohoti has been much exposed on this podcast, but... Uh, I, they they had such charisma and energy. They were so over and distinctive and memorable. They were former tag team champions. Like they did everything to warrant so not over. only being on this list, but higher up in this list. And dare I say, in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, that's a Hall of Fame tag team right there. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, and and you know I'm watching sort of the formation of them right now. Well, they've been around for a while now, but like I just watched through the formation of them and they went from like they were called too much and just like mm-hmm. annoying heels that were maybe on heat and then just started getting funny reactions and stuff and they were doing like funny dancing and stuff and people started liking them and they were paired with Rikishi and they get super over like when Scotty does that bulldog thing into the worm the folk the people are going nuts it's crazy so <laughs> they should definitely be higher up like maybe it's a bit longevity I don't know um, but in terms of the Bushwhackers, any memories of the Bushwhackers other than the gimmick Battle Royal? That is pretty much it. Like I, I didn't know who they were until that Battle Royal. I didn't understand it at the time. I was like, why are they walking like that? Why do they want to lick people? And then I this COVID era, I, it just I, I seems... I still don't understand it, really. It seems really, really <laughs> they used to lick children in the front row. Oh, um, and But I liked the music. Um, um, yeah. I love the music very much. I, I sometimes would put it on my CD player and just kind of walk to it. Not in the way that they would walk to it. This wasn't like a Lita dance moment. I yeah. used to dance in my bedroom to Lita's theme music when I was a little boy. Give me it uh, again. And you punch your fists to every every note. So that's five punches right there. Or four. Um, really? So, um, yeah, like, I, I just... Um, no, I don't know much about the Bushwhackers. No. Uh, and that's why I haven't asked them via cameo to introduce the show yeah no no offense to the bushwhackers but uh, there you no. go um i had the wwf funniest moments dvd when i was wee oh, yeah. and there's like clips of them eating food and stuff because that's funny like i don't understand i think it's just a generational thing isn't it yeah it's like that was the, the they were yeah. their their generation's too cool in a way weird obscure short-lived but memorable um yeah you know yeah all right number 48 is the quebecers All I know, all I know is that on the WWE Global Warming 2002 DVD, uh, they included some matches on the bonus disc from the last time they'd ran a show in Australia. Really? 
um, and the Quebecers was one of them. It was their debut, actually, at that Australian show. It was their first match with the WWF. And they were well, they were Rougeau, weren't they? Was yeah, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. And the announcer doesn't know how to announce them, so he goes, And to my left, Jack Ragu and Stephen Ragu. I don't remember the first names. I just made those names up. But they Jack, called them the, Jack, the, Jack's right. I don't know if Stephen's right, though. Ragu. Isn't that your dad's name? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Moffat wrote Doctor Who. Right. Oh, so uh, Smoking Guns. Number 47. Well, Always found them interesting because Bart and Billy, I mean, they seemed to be pretty over as a team, but then they went and done their own thing. But then Billy was obviously, as we know, the one Billy Gunn and mm-hmm. another great tag team wrestler. But Bart Gunn did the brawl for all and then won a couple of hardcore title matches. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, I don't have no memories of them. And then like, did Bart Gunn not come back for like the 25th anniversary of Raw? He did. Yeah, he, was, he was in that. Or, yeah, it was one of those ones he did the Battle Royal. I think it was the same one that Steve Blackman returned at. Yep, agreed. To um, uh, and I just felt like Bart was such an accidental star because he was never meant to win the brawl for all, but no, when it bloody all. well happened. Um, and so they, and so then when he then loses to Butterbean at WrestleMania 15, aka the extended Monday Night Raw, you kind of wonder why. What they clearly didn't know what they what to do with him because he, he was never really going to be a single star. Right. Never going to be a main eventer. But he's gone and bloody won this thing. So they have to do something with him. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing to say about the smoking guns. I just, I like the name. I like the gimmick. But that's pretty much it. I mean, they came out like shooting guns and stuff, didn't they? So did they? I like, don't know how. Like, I don't. I don't think officially. I don't think really. But like that's you know, I love. I love China's bazooka. Oh, me too, man. Me too. When I mean, she was so over and stuff, and she'd use it. What, they, what did they call it again? The something two thousand. I can't remember. Do you remember when Shawn Michaels had had something like at WrestleMania 19 yeah. and yeah, half of yeah. them didn't work? The China <laughs> so, guns. Yeah, the China guns and he kept crying that they didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> China's ones were cool though. Uh, I like mm. China's guns. Take that out of context. Alright, next up is uh, Strike Force, which yeah. apparently was the team of Rick Martel and Tito Santana. Arriba! Um, I believe they had a good opening match at WrestleMania once. And number 45 are the Head Shrinkers. And the only memory, because it's Rikishi, isn't it? It's Fatu and mm-hmm. Samu. Um, and they had a really good match, an underrated match with the Steiner brothers at WrestleMania 9. Ah, yeah. I mean, that kind of was Fatu Rikishi's first big run in the WWF. Yeah. And that laid the groundwork for the man that we would fall in love with many years later. So uh, nothing much to say about them. Kind of falls into the uncomfortable habit that WWE has of presenting Samoans as savages. Yeah. Um, but you know, within that unfortunate portrayal, we're two excellent wrestlers. So you know, it's there, there's there's elements of that you can appreciate. There's the, the different names that the head shrinkers wrestled under: the gangsters in paradise, mm-hmm. the Hawaiian beasts, the Hawaiian wild men. Mm-hmm. The Head Shrinkers, the mm-hmm. Samoan Gangster Party, right. the Samoan SWAT team, mm-hmm. the new Wild Samoans. <laughs> so, like, why you know it's always it's always playing into the savage sort of foreign thing. Yeah. Why can't they just be like the Samoan accountants or something? Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, just Fatu and Samu. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. you can be big, dangerous, scary guys without playing up to a bit of an offensive trope. But anyway, we we, we shall move on. Yeah, I like, I, I, I like doing this. I like going through this list because I've not heard it. So I, I, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm really I'm buzzing right now for the first time in ages. <laughs> I've I've looked at the list very vaguely, but I've not really like dived into it. So this is what I was saving it for this. This is an episode just going through the list. I'm loving it. <laughs> episode forty four, Karen X Pack, a good one. Um, Did you say episode 44? Because all that tells me, Chris, is that we should do a Kanan X-Pack special, which I would love to... Can we... Oh my god, Chris, can we please do an episode that just goes through the entire Kanan X-Pack storyline from start yes. to finish? Ah! Right. Like, no, that, that, uh, Undertaker podcast, Talk and Taker, where they review all their matches. Mm-hmm, we could brilliant. do every episode as a Kanan X-Pack match. Like a summer series or something. Yeah. Right, here's the thing, because when Kane went into that team... My name is Kane. <laughs> My name is Kane. Please pass the pie. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink the slushy through my mask. <laughs> but then everyone remembers. Everyone remembers. No, Kane, it's time to read. It's time to use your real voice. Fuck it. Everyone remembers it. Everyone. Hello. I bet Hello. if you played that clip, it would be almost identical to what I just did. Yeah, actually, that was quite a good Sean Waltman impression there. Yeah, yeah. such a such a raspy voice, didn't he? Like, how- no, I'm. I go through New York City with my dog now, and I do that little head bobby thing. You know that I do. It's not like the Dilo Brown head bob or the Steve Austin head wobble, but I have this kind of rhythmic bob that I do. Think of me in 1998 on top of the cage when I returned to the WWF as x Pac, and I did the head bobby thing, and I did it on the tank as well, but I had my tongue sticking out. I don't know what's happening anymore, Chris. Yeah, it was great. It's either x Pac or RVD. Not bad. No bad impression. All right, number 43. I love this. Batista and Ric Flair from Evolution. I would not put them ahead of Kieran X back or too cool. Not. I mean, they were World Tag Team Champions. They did beat the Dudleys in the tables match at right. Armageddon 04 or 03. 03 and then the defense. Well, I think, I think the one that was at Armageddon and at the tag title match was Royal Rumble 04. The table match, yeah. And because at the end of Armageddon 03, all the Evolution guys had. Yeah, belts. that's cool. That was a cool, uh, cool That was pretty cool. I like, I like it. I really do. Um, what number are we at? 43. That's 43. Can we pause for a quick toilet break? Of course you can, yeah. We'll, we'll, cool. we'll speed things up, but we'll, we'll definitely go through all the list. Right, okay, because I, I want to say something about everyone, but I like this, Chris. I don't care if it takes ages. Right, yeah, that's fine. Sure, I know you're in a hurry. I'll be, I'll be very quick. Do you know what? Who's the next team? The next team is Eminem. Eminem. I had them on my list, but I'm going to leave you for the next. Your challenge is to talk about Eminem repeatedly, nonstop, until I come back. Go. <laughs> I was going to go to the toilet, but that's okay. Um, so Eminem were Mercury, Nitro, and Melina. And I hated them because this was 2006-ish. And I was a youngster, a young boy at the time. And I was, like, not pleased when they would beat, like, Rey Mysterio and RVD or Rey Mysterio and Batista or or uh, Tatanka and... Um, who was it? Was it Tatanka and Bob Holly Or Tatanka and Charlie Haas? No, no, no. It was Road Warrior Animal and Heidenreich. That was it. Not Tatanka. All the memories of Tatanka I have is when I met him in 2012 and he grabbed my hand and was like, you want to take a picture like this? But Eminem, so Mercury Nitro and Melina Mercury, Joey Mercury, great wrestler, lost his face at Armageddon 06. <laughs> Nitro, later to become John Morrison, who took a bump on Raw recently when he was sitting in the barricade and Ricochet cross-bodied him from the ring. Which you obviously could not do if there was fans there. So I loved that, like taking advantage of the no people. 
And then Melina with her entrance. Now, I can't, I mean, at the time, I was far too young to understand why all, all, all the guys were like marking out over this entrance. Then, you know, I kind of went through my teens and I'd look back at this and I would understand. And it was, listen, not only was it like, oh, like a, like a sexy entrance and stuff, but it was also very impressive, you know? And when when people do that, whether it's a, like a male, a female, a tag team, a manager, when someone does something like different like that or really impressive and it's like, it's just a cool entrance, I always have like a soft spot for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, the fact that it was Melina um, added to that and I was very happy to watch that yeah, entrance she, all the she, time. She did, yeah. I mean, um, the music though was annoying, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I hated when she would scream on the floor, you know? You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I but, like uh, Melina, and I like I like the team. Love the ladder match, uh, you know where Mercury's face exploded. Yep, um, and a great team. Shall we move on? Yes, uh, next team is the Nasty Boys. Don't have much good to say about them. Uh, I think they were very much of their generation. By all accounts, they weren't very nice people backstage with their pranks and things. And right, not not a Nasty Boys fan. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any memories at all and seeing him like put his armpit on people's faces and stuff. And I was like, there's a difference between that and the stink face. You know, the stink face is tasteful. Um, <laughs> number 40 is rated RKO. Uh, I think they deserve to be on there. I, I think their significance has been a little bit inflated by WWE for Agreed. convenient narrative reasons. Like, they've, they've really. They've they've marketed. Like, I like the Edge Norton feud, don't get me wrong, like in 2020. Yeah. Uh, but I think they've. They talked about rated RKO's if they were the same significance to Edge's career to each other's careers as Edge and Christian were to Edge's career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When they that it was like, still a good story, but you didn't you could say oh yeah they were tag team tag mates and they came up together, but um, nah I I, I like the team. I've, it's a, an era in WWE that I remember quite fondly, but rated RKO for me really when I look back at it was symptomatic of them having two great young up-and-comers that they didn't really know what to do with. So they've put them together, they had that feud with DX, and then you get to WrestleMania 23, and you think, well, the natural match is to have Edge versus Orton. And mm. instead, they just put them in the ladder match. Um, so I, I, I like, I like, I think they'd made the best of it, but I actually am not, not the biggest fan of rated RKO really. The, yeah, things. when I look back at Raid RKO now, I'm going to think of the Edge and Orton 2020 feud when they would yeah. put in like the music videos and stuff, you know, like I don't think of a match, you know Yeah. Um, yeah. but they had like this weird mashup of the two songs, remember it was mm. like, hey the best nothing songs. you can say on this day, and it's like, okay fine, <laughs> I don't know, right well I'm going to do what you just did to me number 39 is Paul London and Brian Kendrick so you can talk okay. about them where was I go pee? So London and Kendrick, dear listener, I mean, if you tuned in last week, you would hear the fact that I spoke about hugging Paul London at the O2 ABC in Glasgow. Now, the interesting thing about that show, that ICW show in Glasgow, Scotland, was that Brian Kendrick was also booked in the show. But rather than book them together, they were both given singles matches. Um, but London and Kendrick would actually go on to return to our local promotion, ICW, and win the tag titles there. But of course... They're on this list because of their incredible run on SmackDown. They were the longest reigning SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and I believe that record was never beaten um, with that particular version of the tag titles. Obviously, the New Day would go on to hold the titles for a long time, etc. But really, I think ahead of their time, excellent music, amazing style in the ring. The kind of team that if they were in their prime today would do wonders in an NXT or maybe even AEW. 
obviously both guys are still going strong. And fun fact, um, you know, I've seen both of these men wrestle live twice. I've hugged Paul London. Um, I also remember seeing Kendrick wrestle live in 2016 when Noam Dar made his debut. But to go back to them as a team, I just love the athleticism. And much like Chris, I always gave myself their entrance where they do the backflip on the video games. So London and Kendrick, I salute you. Thank you. And it was good to see as much of you as we did. And Paul London is a good hugger. He is a good hugger, yes. I, I love the fact they're on the list. I thought they'd be forgotten about. Yeah, no, they really deserve to be for the reasons I've just outlined. Right, number 38, DIY. Chris, this DIY were on NXT at a time that I was kind of getting all the tag teams mixed up in NXT. So who specifically was DIY? So DIY was Gargano and Champa. Oh, that, okay, well, there you go. I mean, there's an example of how to break up a team. I mean, so, I mean, well, that first moment, of all, when, as a team, the two of them were amazing together, you know. But yeah. then when you when they created this, right, as you say, the natural match with to put them against each other, you know, mm-hmm. with like Edge and Orton, but also Gargano and Champa, their matches were a bit like not. I was going to say a bit much. They were a lot, but not in a bad way, you know. I mean, I have to say, in terms of their one on one matches, I'm a bigger fan of some more than others. Yeah, agreed. But the story, I really like. Um, I think actually it was a bit drawn out in the end, but for my tastes. But the story of of how they broke up and and how since how how it intense and significant that was to NXT at the time, um, it's probably the peak of both of their NXT careers. And that's not to downplay what the two men are doing now in NXT. I think I enjoy what both of them are doing more so Gargano. But um, it's still something that I think any NXT fan would remember fondly. And it was genuinely shocking when Champa turned on Gargano. It was one of the takeovers, wasn't it, when he ran yeah. him into the stage? Yeah. Absolutely. It was just the last minute as well, wasn't it? You thought it was safe to kind of turn it, turn it off. Yeah. Pure like uh, shock value, you know. Absolutely. Um, their matches with like the Revival and American Alpha and things like that were just incredible. Um, Absolutely. And what I loved about it as well, because the two of them came in, it's just like to do some matches on NXT. They weren't signed at all. Mm-hmm. But like the fans just got behind them both and they were just thrown together. just two indie guys. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not as if they were like a team on the indies. And the fans just got behind them and they were just having these great matches and they ended up becoming the biggest act in NXT. So I remember at the time, because I was like an indie guy, um, seeing Gargano and Chamba on there, I was just buzzing to see them like get TV time. And then they started getting wins. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. So uh, yeah, I love DIY. Number 37, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. The great world's team. greatest. They should be at number one, surely, because they're the world's yeah. greatest tag team. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I loved um, them as Team Angle, obviously, but I love their world's greatest tag team music. Yeah. Team, totally the highlight of each other's mainstream career was teaming with one another. And I just, I love that Royal Rumble that they had. They were both out together and they had that one wee moment where they did that great double team move. Yeah. I loved it when they would, you know, leapfrog over the guy over each other. Such a good finish. Such a, maybe they did it off a ladder once. Yeah. God, man. Just Good. incredible. Great, great, great team. Could you turn your volume up a little bit? Hello. Yeah, that's, that's me. I, I realized my thumb was resting on the volume button. That's right. Uh, number 37, Money Inc., Ted DiBiase and IRS. Don't have any memories of them really other than they wrestled Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake at WrestleMania 9. That's right. And I think I just look at that team as a fond kind of symbol of that era. Like that's, yes. You know, that that was very much that generation. The colours and the kind of over-the-top promos and the music, like just the, the bad guys that you just want to boo. 
number 35, Jerry Show. Chris Jericho oh, and the Big yeah. Show. I thought you were talking about some bloke called Jerry who had a show. Who the hell's <laughs> Jerry's Jerry the show? show? <laughs> I uh, love their tag team music. Are you hoping for a reunion on AEW? Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, why not? You know, like I don't think it's going to be a thing, but I mean, no. put a wee moment like, like one of the Battle Royals or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I know. I enjoyed Jerry's show. Uh, weird. I've got the because you know, they've wrestled DX, didn't they, for the yeah. belts? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, a and weird then, combination because Jericho originally wanted it to be Kane that he was paired with. Yeah, because um, it was originally Edge, wasn't it? And then Edge got injured, and then he was yeah, Kane, and then they changed it with Big Show. Which made um, sense. And then Jericho went and did the world title stuff, and then he was replaced with Miz for Show Miz. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time being like, "These are going to be the new big team. I love them more than Jericho." And now looking back, it's like Jericho was so much better. But obviously, they had more time and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, number 34, The Natural Disasters, which I believe earthquake was Earthquake and typhoon. and typhoon, again, just from the gimmick Battle Royale, that's all I know them from. Yeah, I only, I mean, we all know that Earthquake would kind of hang on as Golba in the uh, oddities. Uh, or was it I never got, I, I never got the oddities. I no, never... me neither. Um, it feels like a very kind of Attitude Era type gimmick. But Earthquake, you know, that was his last appearance, I think, was in 01, returning as Earthquake. Uh, I just liked them because I had, uh, I, I used to go to an after school club and they had a big box of old Hasbros. And oh, Earthquake nice. and Typhoon were there. And Tugboat, actually, who I believe was a Typhoon anyway. No, Tugboat was a different guy. But um, they were the same uh, person. Uh, maybe they were. Um, and they probably were, actually. And I remember just, like, liking them the most because they were big and scary looking. Yeah. You know? Uh, when he comes back in 2001, Earthquake for that game about Royal, like for a big guy, he still looks all right. Like he he's good, good, yeah. good Nick for a big guy, you know. Like he could easily, Absolutely. easily have another run. Uh, okay, number thirty-three, Shocker, the Street Profits. I don't, you know, have an issue with them being on it because they are an excellent team. They've yeah, held absolutely. both the companies, all the main tag titles the company has to offer. I think they're a great. Team. I, I, my, my only asterisk is that because they're still relatively yeah. new, that I feel like we've, 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 we've by far from seeing their best. I think their best is yet to come. And like I don't just, think they've come close to peaking yet. And that's saying something yeah. because they're excellent right now. And I think real stars of the pandemic era as well. Agreed. Absolutely. Totally agreed. I just don't think you can put them ahead of the world's greatest tag team in London and Kendrick and stuff. But like, still a great team. And Montez Ford, there is no reason. I mean, I like Angelo Dawkins. But there's no reason why Montez Ford can't be a future world champion. Yeah, I, I totally so, see it. He's got that so whole package, charismatic and amazing athlete. Like, likeable, you know what I mean? Like, no mm. reason why I should be a world champion. Uh, number 32 is the Briscoes. I'm assuming it's Jerry and Jack, not yeah, uh, yeah. Jay and Mark Briscoe from ROH. Yeah, uh, and I don't care for it at all. No, me neither. And number 31 is Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Glad they're I'm, there. I'm glad they put on there, because I thought they could easily have not done that, but that's... I mean, I actually... I don't know how popular this is, but I was a big fan. Like, I mean, though, obviously they're probably maybe leaning more in the Wyatt family stuff in like 2013, but yeah. I was a big fan of the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. I feel like that was killed off too soon, you know? Just a good team. Just two guys with good chemistry, so they just put them together again as like a new gimmick. But I mean, their matches with the Usos and stuff are always great, so. Mm, absolutely. Good. Two, two big uh, guys. All right, top 30 now. Number 30 is the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Very glad they're on there. 
yeah, definitely. Well deserved, lads. Lads, lads, lads. And uh, number 29, the Miz and Morrison. Um, very I'm surprised glad. they're so far up the list. I'm glad they're there, though. I mean, because there's another good team that had a good story. And even, I'm like, like you're, you're, their original run was great, very popular. They have excellent chemistry. The dirt sheet, enough said. I loved their um, False Count Anywhere match in January 2011 on Raw. Um, yes, I agree. I, I really totally forgot match. about that. Yeah. And uh, and it's, I'm just glad that they are still doing stuff to this day, like together. I just I always was about sort of when when Morrison came back, he kind of just naturally went towards the Miz again, and I was thinking they were going to stay away from that, but they just put them together. So, um, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, okay, so yeah, great team though. I mean, Miz and Morrison. I, I look back at their old stuff more fondly than this stuff because honestly, I can't really tell you how many Miz and Morrison tag matches that have been that good recently in this run. Usually, it's like. Miz is in a match and Morrison's at ringside or vice versa, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's interesting. All right, number 28, The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus. I've got them on my list. And, really? Uh, you know, I just... Because they were, a, like Rated Arkeel, in my opinion, symptomatic of two guys. We don't know what to do with them. They've just had a really big, long feud. Let's put them together. And I feel like it's kind of a lazy thing. I like They've done it with um, Champa and Thatcher on uh, yeah. NXT. Who I like as well. Um, yeah, but like, and just like, you know, there's not much of a story now. We're friends. Yeah. But they made the best of it and I actually think they have excellent chemistry as a team and Obviously. they made an effort to have matching gear and do the entrance together and stuff. Yeah. So, I'm all for it. I'm they made an it. effort to, to be like an actual team, you know, right, and absolutely. they did such a good job. Like, some of their matches were so good. I mean, it's literally, there was no plans for them to be a team, you know, but they made it into a team to the point where they're having Iron Man matches with the Hardy Boys. Like, where did that yeah. come from, you know? So, Absolutely. yeah, love that. I love the fact they're on there. Number 27, a team that is near and dear to Glenn and I's heart. My boy D. Bry and Kane. Team <laughs> Hell No. The team that not only hugged in the main event of Raw for eight minutes, but also brought us together. Glenn. I have always mentioned the fact that on, I think it was November 14th, 2012, I met three very important people in my life for the first time. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, Glenn, Kane Jacobs, and Chris Moffat. Chris CM42 TV Moffat. Uh, Glenn, I, Kane Jacobs, Daniel, <laughs> the American Dragon, Danielson, and Chris CM42 TV Moffat. Absolutely. I, I've got a few odd couples on my list. I love a good old couple tag team. That's when I don't mind people being thrown together because if you're purposely making an odd couple, you're not just throwing them together. You you think that there may be good chemistry. Yeah. And they were, you know, th that was a very uh, patchy era. There was some great stuff at that time and some not so great stuff. And they were a definite, definite highlight. And what Daniel Bryan really needed, I think, to go from being the obnoxious heel who kind of got a bit of popularity with the Yes movement, he needed something to bridge the gap between like the fallout from WrestleMania 28 and the build-up to WrestleMania 30. Yep. And that was the perfect gap, was the Kane stuff. I think we take for granted how great Kane is, or was, mm -hmm. where he's literally slotted in at so many different roles, yeah. and just does so well. Like, how many great Kane things have come from nothing, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, there you go. Uh, number 26, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Um, don't have any memories other than I remember them winning the tag titles, and people going nuts, like in the 80s or whatever, but obviously I wasn't there. And uh, we've got one more year until Iron Sheet gets to the ring. 
one more year, but he's on his way. He's getting there. He's Volkov getting there. was also in that match, so there you go. <laughs> it was. Um, all right, number twenty-five, Los Guerreros, on my list. Such a such fond memories of a team who um, I think they stayed their perfect welcome. Uh, Agreed. Like they they got together. It took them a while to get them together, you know, after Eddie returned. Uh, but they got there. Amazing chemistry. And, you know, by the time Eddie, Eddie sort of cuts his mullet at the same time that they get the lie, cheat, and steal music. Yeah. And that's visually is like when they're really born as the Guerreros, just even though they were having great matches at Survivor Series 02, for example. Like, this is them really coming to their own as a team. Yeah. And, and they that, have a that, great year. That music, um, mm-hmm. always thought was funny. Because it was Latino heat, Chavito heat. And then when they broke up, it was Latino heat. It's just removed the Chavito. Or as I once I, said when I was younger, Chavato heat. And my, my pals made fun of me because I got it wrong. Wrong. Well, you know, I love Los Guerreros. And I've said, and I agree, um, the, their breakup story I thought was excellent because the Chavo was then put to do all the cruiserweight stuff with Chavo Classic and. Uh, they had that that Wrestlemania no 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 sorry that Royal Rumble match in 04 which led into Guerrero Eddie Guerrero winning the title the next month so a perfectly crafted story I think Los Guerreros I've never really liked that Royal Rumble 04 match between the two of them because because I was young at the time and I had that on DVD and I'd watch it all the time and stuff but I didn't understand why they had to fight because the uncle and nephew didn't understand they're mad at each other but you, even at the point, I, I, even even at that age, I was like, "Come on, lads! Like, he's a family. Just get along. He's a la familia." This is why you should never write for WWE because there'd be no matches. Oh no, I'd I'd love to write for WWE. I'd I'd, I'd spice up that program. <laughs> uh, I'd be like, <laughs> never mind. Right, so number twenty four, the appa, the appa. Listen, I'm not hugely into. John Layfield the man, but the team of Rook and Bradshaw were so memorable, so excellent. Um, and I just always think about that moment in Rebellion 2001 where uh, Farouk's trying to uh, roll up Matt Hardy into like a backwards pin thing, I forget what it's called, and he can't quite hook Matt Hardy's arms. And we all laugh because it took him like three attempts to hook both of his arms. Um, but great team. Tag team champions at one point. Uh, and I think, you know, it's weird though that Ron Simmons went from world champion to doing that. Yeah. I find that weird. But well, he went he's from still... world champion to being Farouk in the blue suit, remember, like in 96. Yeah, that's right. And then he, he became a the scary guy before he the was, APA. Man. I'm sure he always could have been if he wanted to, but he was more of just a kind of, he was intimidating as Farouk in the APA, but you felt you could have a pint with him, you know? Yeah. Farouk. And Bradshaw, the acolytes. And uh, number twenty-three. Oh, can we just mentioned that T-shirt, always pounding ass. <laughs> Let's leave that there. And people would buy it; like it was a top seller. Number twenty-three, the Black Jacks. Don't have any memories nah. really of them, you know. I know there was a, a new Black Jacks well. <laughs> with Bradshaw. Yep. <laughs> I don't think that's the one meaning. Uh, and number twenty-two is the Shield, and I don't know how I feel about that because they're a faction. They're a faction, there are three. That's why the New Day shouldn't be on this list, but they will be. They'll be in the top five. But um Well, we... I don't know. I feel like I look at the New Day as a team, don't I? Because they, they had more I just feel like the Shield were always in either six man tags or like brawls. 
But yeah. if they knew they had like tag title matches, you know what I mean? Do you know, man, like the shield in there, and then the shield does another episode, but like, it's just, I always think it's so funny that when they first came in, Ambrose was definitely thought to be the guy with yeah. all the potential and all the run, which is why he won the US title and Seth and Roman won the tag titles. Uh, and Ambrose was the front and center of all the promos. And then like, like that, like as quickly as a Spike Dudley, you're awesome. Um, it switched, and Roman was in the center saying, believe that. Yeah. And he was winning the singles titles. It's just weird. At what point did they change their mind? Well, I think, I mean, Royal Rumble 2014, where it was Reigns and Batista, the final two. And I yeah. do believe the fans were going to mental for Roman because they didn't want Batista to win. But I also think if they'd put someone else in there that wasn't Roman, it wouldn't be as mental. Folk, I thought folk did like Roman. Yeah, um, I think they did, and this this is the point we always make about Roman, is that we you you, you most... I. I I, this is an easy thing to say, but I believe it passionately. That believe that you know all of all of for all of Roman Reigns' babyface years, you only booed him because it was cool. That's why. 100%. Not not you specifically, Chris, but I mean you, you wrestling fans in general. Like there was so much. <laughs> you wrestling you, fans. You can complain about the writing, and I, I do think in the beginning of 2015, leading up to like, like the, the first quarter of 2015, I think they made a lot of mistakes for it with him. Yeah. You know, but I also think of him beating Sheamus for the world title on Raw. The place went nice. Yeah, exactly. And so Absolutely. I think like we 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 easily look at Roman now as being like the goat, and he is. In my view, there is no one in the men's or the women's division better than Roman Reigns. He is the top wrestler in the world in terms of 100%. being an all rounder right now. 100%. But I think he was there beforehand, but he's just solidified it in, in since last year, you know? We, we always go off on Roman tangents, don't we? Um, we do. But what I will say is, I was thinking about this recently as well, do you remember the CM Punk podcast they did with Colt Cabana where he like tore apart WWE and then they mm -hmm. got sued for it and stuff, right? You have to make what, Roman look strong. What people, yeah, exactly. What people don't remember is there was a part two. So the first, the first podcast is where he's talking about the injury and how he was ill and they mistreated yeah. him and stuff. The second part that came the week after where they answered fan questions is when he told the Roman story yeah. about that you got to make Roman look really strong. And I'm telling you something. I, I'll, I'd i put money on the, that's when it changed. Yeah. Punk told everybody that they were trying to force... I mean, and he was like, there was nothing wrong with what Punk said. He was just telling the story. You know, but it, but in the way he told the story, it sounded like, you know, we, we're getting Punk out the door and we want Roman and it's just the fans heard that and then it became cool. Yeah. It was yeah. that small minority that were booing him and then it got cool, you know? So, anyway. Definitely. Number 21, Triple H and Shawn Michaels as DX. I don't I don't buy that. I don't think... Me neither. DX were a great group. Um, yeah, absolutely. He, the, the, Triple H and Shawn were not a great tag team. They had memorable angles and matches, but they were marketed more as a tag team in their 2006 reboot. Um, you I know, guess that's where they're going uh, from, you know? Exactly, but you know, if you talk about DX tag teams, it's the it's the, it's a, a team that better call somebody that may get mentioned later on, or should yeah. get mentioned later on. That were the bigger team to come out of that. I'm sure they will. Um, number twenty, the undisputed era. I love the fact they're so high up on the list, but again, it's four people now. The team, whether it be like Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, or whether it be Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, all great teams in their own right, and that's what made the Undisputed Era so good. You could put anyone in there, or you could put any couple of them together, or any three of them together, or a, or a six-man, or an eight-man, or anything, and it was always great. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I, I would always look at them more as a faction, unless we're considering it Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. They were the team. I, I think a great team. Wouldn't put them on a tag team list because I don't think any combination of the two of them deserves in the top 50. Simple as that. Excellent music. Number 19, The Soul Patrol, which I did not know was their team name. That is Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, the first African-American tag team champions, which was a big deal. And the, I mean, when they win the tag titles, have you seen that clip when they win the yeah, tag titles? So over as So well. great, yeah. You know, and uh, really looked the part and in terms of the historical and cultural significance, obviously a big deal as well. So yeah, I agree with that. I'm not buying that the name is the Soul Patrol. That's a terrible team name. <laughs> Number 18, Professor Toru Tanaka and Mr. Fuji. Don't know anything about this. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know they were a team. Shame a little bit me. before our time. Yeah, exactly. Um, number 17, the Steiner Brothers. Uh, I okay. think a lot of people talk about them as if they're this great team. And, and longevity-wise, they were, I'm assuming. A little bit before my time, but any time I've gone back to it, like people like the Rockers and the Heart Foundation and stuff, like teams I went back to watch now, I can appreciate. But there's something about the Steiner Brothers that I've never clicked with. Me neither. That's nothing against them. Uh, I think I'm still too scarred, even now, nearly 20 years later, from Scott Steiner's WWE run, yeah. which I'm rewatching right now. So. I liked the. I had Rick Steiner as an action figure, and I liked that a lot. And he was always in my like figure fed. But other than that, I have no real memories of them. Other than when he came back in um, in TNA, and they had Road Warrior Animal, so they put them together in a team: Road Warrior Animal and Rick Steiner. Because they were two people from other tag teams and they're together now. Uh, All right, number 16 is the Rock and Sock Connection. Um, I understand for significance, you need to put them on the list and stuff, but again, they didn't have that many good matches. But they had a lot of good good segments and stuff. I could understand them on the list. Uh, Great segments, very memorable. People remember them so fondly, as do I. They are the ultimate odd couple, but... Um, yeah, they weren't really, even though they were tag champions, they weren't really known for their great matches because The Rock was injured for a lot of that run and Mankind, Mick Foley, was not in his best peak. Like He, he really got back into a better condition for the 2000 feud with Triple H, but at that point he's spoken very openly that he wasn't at his physical peak. Yeah. And who can blame him? Number 15, the Wild Samoans. Again, a little bit before our time, and maybe we should know more about them, but I just never have the instinct and the and the not the instinct. I never have like the feeling to go back to watch like early eighties stuff right now, you know. So yeah. Um but I'm assuming they were a big deal at the time and I know they were. Uh number fourteen is the Rockers. Well, yeah, I mean they I think they're deserving there. But yeah. maybe their significance is a bit more inflated because of what Sean went on to be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they were a good but, team uh, though. They were a great team. Their matches are really yeah. good and stuff. Uh, next one, though, I do, I'm not buying this being so high up. The Mega Powers. I understand. Nah. I understand. Fine. It's Macho Man and Hogan, two of the biggest stars ever. And, 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 and like, the Mega Powers run is looked at as this big thing because it was, like, the main thing on the show. They were the two most over characters. The handshake thing, Miss Elizabeth. And then the perfect blow-off to the feud with, like, the main event of WrestleMania. But this should be on a list of greatest stories. Not best Absolutely. tag teams. You know, by that logic, then the two-man power trip should be high up on this list, and they shouldn't yep, exactly. be. Exactly. So, exactly. Number twelve, the Valiant Brothers. I'm not buying that by any means, um, but again, I don't know anything about them. Me Me Number eleven is Demolition. Here comes the axe. Yeah. Here comes uh, the Smasher. All, all for that. Like they were a great team, so recognizable. Great music. 
very long careers as well, um, or, or at least it feels like their careers are very long, um, still going at it today, you know? So, <laughs> yes. All right, okay, top 10 time, okay? I'm just looking at this now, this whole list, and I, I think this is pretty fair. I'm not mad at this at all. Number 10 is the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy and Dynamite Kid. I think that's a fair fair placement for them. Great team. Okay, yeah. Great team. Number nine are the Brothers of Destruction. I had Brothers of Destruction on my list, but I actually would never have put them that high. Yeah. and Because yeah. I would only specify their 2001 run. Because I know they teamed in 98, and I know they had a few reunions in the years that followed. But nothing was as significant story-wise as that. So yeah, it was so short-lived that I kind of feel like they're, they're, they're like Triple H and Sean, that, you know, they, it's mm-hmm. part of a wider story, but it's not... They weren't the most excellent team, but yeah, I, I was agreed. a fan. They were hugely over, though, for when they were in that 2001 run. Hugely over. They did have a good 2001 run, but I do think in those reunions, they, it did feel like a big deal when they got together, you know? So I guess yeah. that means that. I guess bigger stars. Number eight, New Age Outlaws. Can't believe they're that high up on the list. Thought they'd be top five at least. New Age Outlaws, there number eight. Go. Well done. Any, any memories? Uh, I would say that I don't know. Um, so my ass better call somebody. There you go. There you go. All right, number seven, the Usos. Fair enough. I mean, they've had a long enough yeah, I, I think that's run. Fair. And do you know what? See if it hadn't been for this past year. I mean, I mean, this past year hasn't really been about them as a team, I suppose. But the the depth and the development. Yeah, but I, I, I still, although it might not be them as a team, um, it's they're now being looked at as individuals that you just know in the back of your head are a team anyway. So it's not as if it's like, oh, they're not a team anymore. They're still a team, yeah. but they're just showing a different side to them. Which is after all this time, you know, you need to have stuff like that, and they're just doing such a good job, man. I think this was a great. They're quite versatile, so yeah, I'm with that. That's fair. Yeah, and and very underrated promos as well. Something about the promos are just infectious. Yeah. Okay. Number six, the Legion of Doom. I mean, I'm so you could argue they they should be number one. Yeah. You know? Not yeah. my cup of tea, if I'm honest. I I can't tell you a Road Warriors match that I particularly like, but how over they were were unbelievable. It's where that whole expression of the road warrior pop comes from. They were so recognisable. They they knew how to market themselves for merchandise purposes. And that's why they're so fondly remembered. A great team. Um, and they really felt like a team. Nobody wanted to see road warrior or animal yeah. on his own. Which we were subjected to in 2006 when he became the road warrior. Um, <laughs> with Heidenreich. <clears throat> um, yeah, with Heidenreich, but yeah. And they the legends of WrestleMania, Xbox game, or maybe here comes the pain. But you got to unlock them individually. That's right. And yeah. like Hawk was one of the cheapest ones you could get. So I would always like bite the bullet and just go, I'm going to get Hawk. So I'd always have Hawk and not Animal. <laughs> uh, number five, the Dudley Boys. Another team you could argue for number one. Um, the only, the like you cannot take anything away from them. The only criticism I would have of the Dudleys was that uh, with the exception of Bully Ray and Aces and Eights, they never really have demonstrated any real depth as characters. I'm they've sorry, do, you not, do always... you not remember Reverend Devon and his money box? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but um, like the, their sheer longevity and their chemistry, their popularity, their charisma, you can't take anything away from no. them. And of course, Hardcore Bubba. Okay, number four, Edge and Christian. I mean, they deserve to be high up on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, another one you could put number one. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's a brilliant tag team. Okay, number three is the Hart Foundation. Again, not shocked at all. Um, very much of their generation kind of thing. Uh, I'm surprised that there's there's such a big disparity between them and the Rockers, but what they yeah. provided the Hart Foundation was they struck the balance between being two very distinct people, but also, because we're talking about Brett and Jim the Anvil, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also um, feeling like a team. Like Nightheart was the talker and the powerhouse. Bret Hart could get it done technically. So I love, I like it when you've got two very distinct looking guys like Kane and Xbox, mm-hmm. who still, who's, but unlike Kane and Xbox, feel like a natural team and gel together right. really well. There's not many teams like that in the history of wrestling. <clears throat> and Bret and Jim the Anvil are probably that prime example, which is why it was well deserved that they went into the Hall of Fame as Agreed. a team. No. Yeah, and also if we're talking about like people like the Shield and and <clears throat> undisputed era and stuff, if we're putting them on mm-hmm. the t- on the list. Although they were more of a faction, they have that great run in the early nineties and the late eighties. But then they were also able to have this new version of themselves in the late nineties. Yeah, that's right. You know, so maybe that's why they're so high up. All right, number two is the Hardy Boys. I mean, why not? <clears throat> my my favorite team of all time. Anyway, I I. Probably mine as well. Absolutely, I um, can't think who's number one now. But um, yeah, oh god, it's the new day, isn't it? But um, the Hardy Boys. Uh, enough said. Like we have spoken so much in our own individual wrestling stories about what that team means to us. They've evolved, returned, reunited, and I'd like to think they've got one last run left in them, at least. And singles runs, you know, great singles runs individually, you know. So you know. Can't be the Hardys in terms of like how over you were character wise, cool spots, great team moves, you know, yeah. singles work, longevity, just the best when team of you, all time. When you watch the Hardy Boys wrestle as the team, you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And number one is the New Day. Why did you go? Oh, it's the New Day, isn't it? Because I don't want factions in it, which is what we've said about the um, Undisputed Era and. Um, a couple of the other factions have appeared. Yeah. Um, but here's what I will say: if if you are going to broaden the criteria and have uh, have it include like larger groups, like the Shield, like the Undisputed Era, and like the New Day, then of course they deserve to be there. I would even say top ten. They have been so popular. For a long amount of time, they and in effect they are still going because you know Big E yeah. was with them at WrestleMania and all that. You know, um, I don't think I've seen enough depth from them in terms of character versatility. They started out as heels and then became faces, but then the the face stuff has been pretty much the same shtick for years, which is fine. You know, Works you though. don't you Works don't though. go to see ACDC live to get them to get them to start doing disco and country songs. You know, exactly. Don't don't fix it if it's not broken. Um, and um, I just don't know if they're number one, but I think they're top five. But well, that's a personal taste thing. Yeah, I like the fact they put them number one though because they're like a current act. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've not said because usually they do that like. No one's as good as the past. You know what I mean? Like they could easily have put, you know, the Hardys or the Dudley's Edge and Edge and Christian number one and I'd be at, you know, like and we'd be fine with that. But I like the fact that like, no, our guys are number one. And I think in terms of longevity and 
the amount of great matches they've had and great feuds they've had and the promos and the different character aspects in terms of like the whether it be like the boot yules at one point and then it was the pancakes and then it was something else. And then maybe other than Woods hasn't really had much of a singles thing, but Biggie and Kofi have, you know. Um yeah. I think I think I think it's a fair pick and I'm not mad at it at all. I like the fact that they've they've been looked at in such high regard, you know. No, I'm not mad as they at should it. be. Well deserved they they were the longest reigning tag champions and like you can't say that they weren't over. Like yeah. even most most teams with quite a simplistic kind of gimmick wouldn't last more than a year, but they've kept it going and kept it popular, you know? Yeah. All right, give me your list then. Uh, most of the teams that, and this is in no particular order, most of the teams that I scribbled down are there. Weirdly, the first team I wrote down was Billy and Chuck. Oh, I don't nice. Know why. Because the Hardys are my favorite of all time. But I just they thought, could be on there. I think they could be on there easily. Definitely. Uh, um, I mentioned London Kendrick. I, I also mentioned the NXT days of the Ascension. Alright, um, okay. Uh, Hell No, Brothers of Destruction, Hurricane and Kane, Kane and RVD. Um, another one, and this is wasn't me like saying best of all time, these are just personal favourites, sentimental favourites. Edge and Rey Mysterio. Um, yeah, totally. Los Guerreros, RVD and Booker T, too cool. Um, the Young Bucks, obviously they weren't going to be in WWE's list, but they deserve to be on a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eminem and The Bar, like, and those are just off the top of my head. Like, there's probably other teams there that I would want to write down, you know? Yeah. Well, I did mine as a top five. My number five was Beer Money from oh, TNA, yeah. James Storm and Bobby Roode. And I looked at this in terms of, like, I love the Brothers of Destruction, and I love the Usos and stuff, but, like, and these teams were, like, appointment television. You know what I mean? Like, I never skipped one of these matches. I always watched Beer Money. Number six on my list was the Motorcycle Machine Guns. Like, I always watched their matches. And number four is the Young Bucks, because I can't yep. tell you a bad Young Bucks match. And obviously I have, you know, like sentimental value with them and stuff. So um, Young Bucks would have been number four. And then, of course, <laughs> my top three is no surprise. Number three is the Dudleys. Number two is Edge and Christian. And number one are the Hardy Boys. That's my uh, my top five. Nice one. What are your have the, favorite tag teams, dear listener? Yeah, please Do let us know on uh, Twitter at WrestleConnect1 or on Instagram at WrestleConnection. Let us know your favourite or most obscure favourite tag teams. We always love them, whether it be Taz and Spike Dudley or the Hurricane and Rosie, who could easily be on that list as well. Great team. And yes, I think that is going to do us for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. A little bit of a bumper episode, but it's okay just because we had the compilation last week, so we'll make up for this week. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more action live here on the Wrestle Connection podcast. Glenn, have a good week, my friend. What have you got planned this week? I'm going to relax. We're going to go to Creel, where there's not much to do, and that's beautiful. I'm going to read, do crosswords, and lie down. And I'm going to heal, heal, because healing is important. Yes. I said I'm going to heal. I'm not going to turn heal. Yeah, please don't turn um, heal. We, we like uh, you. <laughs> uh, but I, I am taking my recording kit up to Creel. So, I don't um, want to impose, though. You said we can record up there, but that's your relaxing time with Kate. I like I like doing podcasts. And people right. want to do some things herself. Like I'm not when she sits and does her yoga. I'm not going to sit looking at her doing it. You, know? <laughs> you can do it with yeah. her. I don't know. Right. Okay. Mm. Um. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves. We'll be back next week. Tune in then, and go check out that top fifty countdown thing on the WWE Network, the greatest tag teams of all time.